0: You're listening to Trek FM.
1: Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 11 of Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. This is Part 3 in our series on Richard Matheson as a guy who wrote books that were turned into movies. (laughs) <laughs> today today we're going to be looking at i am legend i'm mike i'm max and today we're joined by ben how's it going ben it's going well thanks Now, ben i'm not sure if you're aware that this is a, a star trek podcast but you're wearing a star wars t-shirt i represent okay it is a very cool t-shirt it's an Thank eight you. it's an eight bit uh, uh probe droid yeah it's, it's very sweet but yeah i like it so well what about star trek what's your relationship with star trek I think I've seen all the movies
2: and I've seen a few episodes of the original series. I at least for a couple of seasons watched Next Generation. I missed all of Deep Space 9 which all my sci-fi friends say that's the one to watch. Yeah, they're right. And then I try I really gave Voyager a shot and that just got I think I watched that like four seasons. I don't remember much of it. Neelix really drew. That's what Neelix, right? Yeah. yeah. He drove me insane. That chick's voice drove me insane. The native American guy and his spirit animal. It just, I tried cause it was the only real sci-fi at the time that I, that I remember. I watched, uh, I think the first four episodes of enterprise enterprise and cripes. That was, that was rough too. I, you know what? Next generation, I really enjoyed because I think I liked ninety percent of the characters. Uh, but all the other seasons or all the other shows that I watched, I really ended up not liking a lot of half the characters on the on the team. And then the movies, um, of course, two, six, and four, you know, are great. One is very long. Um, it's actually not that long. it It feels (laughs) an eternity of a ship undocking. That's all I remember. And then they find a cloud at the end. And then I like the last two movies. I thought the last movie was a lot of fun. It has a lot of holes in it and a lot of plot issues or whatever, little story things. But the last two movies have been a blast. Well, what about Richard Matheson? I am a fan of a lot of his stuff that's been adapted. Mm -hmm.
0: I've
2: I've read a few of his short stories a, a long time ago. The one that I mostly recently read was I am legend. I read it probably about a year and a half ago. He did a lot of Twilight Zone episodes. Yeah, and uh, I'm a Twilight Zone fan.
1: Well, um, today's today we are going to be covering "I Am Legend." Uh, It was written in 1954, and it is his third novel, uh, which was written one year after "Someone Is Bleeding," which we covered last week. Max, do you want to give a a synopsis of, of "I Am Legend"?
0: Uh, well it's actually kind of a simple storyline on the face of it I mean like if you if you summarize it it kind of sound it sounds like it could fit in the short story it could, it could be seven pages but it's uh, it, it's essentially there's a big chunk of the book which is him living in a post-apocalyptic world where everybody has turned into vampires and uh, he you know there's there's the presumption that it was caused by a plague or a bacteria and he turns out to be true and then a woman shows up and she's like oh we're from a camp of people who are infected but not we're not like the rest of them we're but we're you know kind of limited in the same way they are. Okay, they are okay, like be, a whole be, bunch be,
1: of blades before you get any further i guess we should just say that the nature of the book and the movies that we're covering we are going to be spoiling the ending
0: Oh, <laughs> so before he dies, she takes him to uh, her, her camp and they're like, we don't like you because you kill us. And he's like, I didn't know you're vampires. And they're like, yeah, but we don't kill people because there are none left except for you and you keep killing us. It's messed up. We're going to kill you. And he's like, but that's reasonable. I understand that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's cool. I mean, at least I'm a devil. I mean, it's better than being a nobody. Yeah. And the book ends.
1: All right. So, Ben, what did you think about the book?
0: I I really liked it. I thought there were, it
2: it does an awesome job of suggesting how much it would suck to be the last, you know, like the last man on Earth, but not being the last being on Earth if he didn't do what he what he does, which is like rebuild his house, forage for food. And then go kill these things that torment them every night and literally drag them out of their beds, throw them in the sunlight and drive a stake through their heart and then burn them. I mean, that's what he does every day. Yeah. It does such a good job of being desolate. And then, you know, at the climax, at the end, you know, he meets the girl and then she brings him in this thing. And it, it just blew me away. Like, I totally didn't even think about the I Am Legend part is that he's the boogeyman. Yeah. for the For this new... Race of vampires yeah mm-hmm. max
1: what do you what do you think about I am legend
0: Probably mentioned it somewhere before, but uh as a big fan of the post apocalyptic genre and and in particular the zombie apocalypse, <laughs> I have always thought of i am legend as being essentially the best post apocalyptic zombie novel ever, and they are vampires, but who cares what they are they They are functionally identical to zombies for the most part and that the way that that story is written is absolutely amazing and uh, Matheson's writing style is bizarrely timeless despite it being totally the 70s and and somehow it feels like the 70s even though it was written like 20 years earlier yeah and
2: it takes place in the 70s right yeah, yeah and he's yeah.
0: driving around a big station wagon yeah he mentioned M- Matheson mentioned on like a few occasions that every time he speculated on the future he would jump way too short yeah and he should have put things much further ahead
1: yeah but he, that was actually on on the dvd for last man on earth there was an interview with matheson which i watched and he talked about how he did that he made that mistake a few times but the the danger well you know his his thinking was like what are the odds that people are still going to be reading this book 20 years from now
0: <laughs> but <It's> crazy that's <laughs> not gonna happen
1: but uh, the other thing that he says that the the trick you know the 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 problem with it is if you go too far in the future then you have to completely reinvent society you know Whereas this you know putting it 20 years ahead of where he's at he can you know alter things a little bit but basically keep it modern you know Mm -hmm. which i think is perfectly reasonable
0: Mm -hmm. the apocalypse also has a nice sort of evening effect where because everything is sort of shut down like you don't even have to worry about the lack of cell phones yeah. or technology. Yeah. I yeah, mean, it's like, you could say like, yeah, I guess kinda, yeah, if it if it happened everything. now, it would be pretty much the same. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, well, I was very fond of the book as well. Um, I liked, uh, I liked it for a number of reasons. One, I think like you're saying, it's, it's really good at being sort of a, a post-apocalyptic story. And, uh, you know, I think it has, uh, a lot of um kind of Star Trekian um themes going on. The idea of being careful of you know, wiping yourselves out with, you know, nuclear weapons or nuclear war or whatever. Um there's also um you know the idea of uh not just blindly killing people but uh Yeah, you've gotta
0: kill people with your eyes open. <laughs> <laughs> don't be doing it blind. Yeah. That if you are blind
1: don't kill people. The, the other thing which I really liked about it, uh, which was just sort of not, I guess not so much, um, you know, like the main thrust of it, but something which I thought was a really cool, uh, thing to, to try was taking the legend of vampires, which is, um, based heavily on, um, sort of like, uh, mythological, uh, components, well, superstition, superstition, it's just straight up superstition, all that stuff. And, um, finding scientific explanations for all of those things. Like mm-hmm. why can't they come out in the sunlight? Why can't, why don't they like garlic? Why don't they like their reflection? You know, all those things.
2: I like so. And cause they explain, I believe in the book that it has a mental effect on them as well. That yeah. Christian humans would be afraid of crosses. Yeah. Because it's, that's how they remember it. It's almost like mentally turning them into vampire, even right. though physiologically it's kind of, they're kind of plague ridden and, and yeah. The, yeah. the bacteria in their system can't handle the sunlight. Mm-hmm. So it explodes or something yeah. like that or, or eats it, devours itself. Something. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, like the, the idea of explaining the superstitious right. aspects of a vampire is, is handled very well in this novel and I think it fundamentally changed the horror genre after that. Uh, like, we wouldn't have oh, had Blade Would it, had he not gone, you know what, maybe it was just a thing that happened. I maybe think you don't it directly need God inspired the devil.
2: Uh, yeah. Romero to do gone yeah.
0: of dire, Night, uh, Night of the Living Night Dead. Of Dead. I mean, yeah.
2: and if that hasn't changed the face of horror, yeah, you know, I mean... Well, I mean, yeah. Night of the Living
0: Dead, like, it, it, you could call it I Am Legend almost... It's it's got too many people but aside from right. that it's pretty darn close to the early days.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they they've said um or I think Romero has said that Last Man on Earth uh was a he- heavy influence on uh Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Um S-
0: super great movie too. Totally.
1: Night of the Living Dead or Last Man on Last Earth? Last
0: Man on Earth. Night of the Living Dead's obviously amazing, but Last Man on Earth is actually really weirdly good.
1: Okay so you're you're a fan. I mean let's move on to Last Man on Earth. Oh yeah, yeah. For for those people who don't know Last Man on Earth is the first uh adaptation of I Am Legend. It was made in 1964.
0: What? Like s- keep going. I'll just Like
1: going. like 10 years after uh the the book was was written. Um it was directed by well I don't know. The directing is kind of weird because it was sort of like an Italian production. Yeah. But I don't know. It was, it's the credited director is a guy named Sidney Salkow, who has done a ton of movies. He's one of these, you know, guns for hire. He uh, directed um, episodes of Maverick and Lassie. It's probably his best known stuff. And uh,
0: That one where Lassie got bit by a vampire? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, and Timmy died. had to kill it? Yeah.
1: yeah. And it was co-written by uh, Richard Matheson himself, uh, but he took his name off of it. He changed his name to Logan Swanson. And they made this movie in 1964 with Vincent Price as the main character. Now, um, and, and it is extremely low budget, you know, black and white, but also very accurate to um, the source material. Apparently not accurate enough because that's why Matheson took his name off of it.
0: I don't get that. That seems crazy to me. It, it seems uh, pretty darn close. I'm
2: trying to, trying to think what they could have changed to
0: make it a little tighter. I mean...
2: It's pretty damn close. Yeah. yeah. Structurally,
0: it's a little different, but like the, the narrative is pretty close. Like some of the really depressing stuff they probably, is removed from last year. Yeah. Man he on
2: doesn't, he, like, I, I don't think any of the movies captured the drinking and yeah. the, the, uh, his obsession with art. Yeah. which Which was kind of amazing to, to put that in there to say, you know, this is all that's left of humanity. If I can't be around a human. I'm gonna be around things that humans did, humans yeah. strictly did. Like none of the movies did that. I think Heston's Weirdly, weirdly on Omega it. Man is a, the closest a, yeah, one to get that. A little bit because he's <laughs> talking to that statue and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um But is it just real quick, is that your favorite of the three? Uh Last Man on Earth? Last Man on Earth,
0: would you say? Last man on Earth, yeah, definitely. Mike, real quick, poll?
1: It's definitely not. Um not not my definitely favorite not. of Definitely not three. No, it's not my favorite of the three. But well what about you, Ben? What did you think of Last Man on Earth? I liked it for for what it is, and I appreciate it being as
2: close as possible. But I think I didn't like how they they literally turned the vampires into zombies. They're almost too stupid, yeah. for you know. And, and that I and maybe that's what he was. Now that I think about, it, that's probably what he was most he yeah. didn't like the most because yeah, they were. It was almost like a zombie movie more than a vampire movie. And really, as much as I like Vincent Price, he's he doesn't have a lot in this movie. Like, I know you don't really get him as much as some of the other incarnations, of the character. Yeah. You know, I, I felt, I felt like he was the, the, the simplest.
0: Really? Them. I get, I get him way more than Heston's character, but
2: Heston's chest is so wide.
1: <laughs> He's just, this is true. Yeah. You know, I, ultimately I didn't really like the movie. Um, I thought it was a good adaptation in the sense that uh, they, they did a good job of taking the story and condensing it. Um, but I think it had some some big problems. For one thing, I think Vincent Price was miscast, which is actually something that I heard Ms. Matheson said as well. Well, I, he I was think born old. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> true. Now, I realized that it was a B movie. I realized that they had a low budget and everything like that, and you got to cut it some slack for that. But I think that, there was a certain almost like laziness about it, especially with Vincent Price's performance, but also the editing and everything. I felt like everything was just sort of running at half speed. And like everyone who was involved with making the movie was kind of just there to make it and didn't really care about it. I, Cause as I was watching it, the
2: voiceover was kind of killing me. that. Yeah, that was a problem. And I'm too. thinking, and I, I wanted to give it a pass on that because I'm a, I want to say that that's more of a sign of the times than good or bad yeah. filmmaking.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, because, you know, like they say today, I don't want to hear voiceover. You can, like, cause when he's doing things. Right. And he's doing the voiceovers, like almost it's, I could see them at the time saying, we can't have a horror picture and right. it be silent the whole time.
0: Yeah. Well, you well, know what I mean? There, yeah. And, there's, there, and there and would him, be, a, there's a conceptual problem. Right, of like, exactly. How do you depict a guy alone for an hour? And, and I just think him
2: talking to himself in the 60s, we would have been like, well, we can't have the protagonist be a, a crazy pants either. Yeah. You know, it's, so we'll just voice over the whole thing. And I was like, it's,
0: holy it's, cripes, that's not, uh, it kind of was driving me nuts at, towards the middle. It's funny because even the book doesn't really have like the internal monologue. Yeah. But, but like, the there, flick- are, there are like brief flashes, but it's always like extreme emotions, like extreme anger and extreme disgust. And, and it doesn't really have that like internal, like, I should go get some garlic now because mm-hmm. I need garlic to. Keep the vampires from eating me. It's it's
1: really hard to do in in a a movie. You know, I mean, in a book, you know, that's fine. You can have you know, even if it's not straight up an internal monologue. I mean, pages like, of description. I am, yeah, yeah. I am Legend. You know, the the book was able to do that perfectly fine. Um, with the movies, you know, having one person by himself, that's hard to do. That's why I think, like in particular, in in the movie I am Legend in the in the Will Smith version, I think that you know, having the dog there really, really helped. But yeah, so on the whole, I I did not like The Last Man on Earth. You know, it was one of those things where maybe if if the book didn't exist, you'd be like, oh, wow, this is cool that they're doing this. But this is really sort of a case where it's like, there's a book, which it does everything that the movie is doing better. The movie isn't really adding anything to it. I don't see, you know, a a need for that movie. So now let's move on. Uh, 1971, uh, seven years later, Uh, Boris Segal, who, uh, strangely enough, directed episodes of both The Twilight Zone and Night Gallery, but none of Matheson's stuff. Is this Steven Segal's father? I don't think
0: so, but it could be. Say yes. Uh, Yes, it is. If somebody asks you, if someone's (laughs) related to Steven Segal, you say yes.
1: Okay. And he made The Omega Man, which starred uh, Charlton Heston.
2: Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs)
1: He says it,
0: I think, three times yeah. at least. And great. his teeth That's, that, is that the one you are like? amazing. Because no. I, I like, you truly oh. are the king of kings.
1: <laughs> it's
2: like, oh my <laughs> god. <gosh." laughs>
1: so, Ben, what did you think of The Omega Man?
2: It is it is totally just stuck in its time. I mean, from, from everything. It wears 1971, honestly, very proudly. Um, I... I don't know, I kind of laughed through the whole thing, maybe that's a little disrespectful, between Charlton Heston being his Hestinius and um, the way what they did with the vampires and their their glitter cloaks and
1: Mm -hmm. painting, painting them all gray. That's probably something that we should get into before we go any further is this is a much different movie than the book and the other movie. It really uses the book as sort of a jumping off point and then goes in a completely, you know, different direction.
0: Not really different. It, like it kind of just takes like the things that were there and it's then almost like, like adds a bunch more costumes. It,
1: it almost, <laughs> it's almost like it takes the first like 75% of the book and squishes that into like a half an hour and then builds on what would come after in like an alternate reality. So did you like it or not? I, I,
2: I really enjoyed watching it because I was bookending it with the other ones and to put it in there to see, what they found again—it's like a time capsule. It's like, well, what was important in 1971 that they pulled from this movie? And you know, you saw the bad guys, and they were all wearing their sunglasses, and they were all <laughs> yes. calling each other brother, and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And the—did uh, it bother you guys too that he wasn't the Omega Man?
1: Like, yeah, I like was quite thinking literally, that literally throughout the wasn't. entire movie, I was thinking yeah. he because there's that other really guy. Not—he's not the last guy. Like,
2: even yeah. if you even if you want to be a tech, technical and be like, okay, well, that's a woman, and mm-hmm. that's a kid. You yeah. know, it's a boy. Yeah. But he quite literally, there was another man yeah. with, like, a dozen kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was just said, well, this is just... Yeah,
1: it's like it's like he's the Omega Man. He's the only person left, except for except these for, dozens you know, of other people. A busload of kids and this guy and this story. chick.
0: <laughs> right, within within <laughs> a few minutes' drive. From yeah. Where <laughs> exactly, he is. Like right there. Possibly many others all over the place. Yeah.
2: The one thing that I found interesting <laughs> that was parallel throughout the whole, all three of them, was the Xing out of, like him systematically clearing out yeah blocks at a time I yeah. found like out of all of them that was one thing that they all had was him pulling out a map and xing off mm-hmm. certain you know making his world even kind of smaller
0: yeah yeah I was really excited to watch this movie when I was a kid and I got to the end and I went insane <laughs> with rage and 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 like the next week or so in grade school I was like oh, my God, you guys, there's this movie, Omega Man. Don't watch it. It's terrible. There's this guy. He's called the Omega Man. But there's a bunch of other people. The ultimate ending, when he's, like, he's crucified
2: on nothing. Yeah. Like, yes. he's quite just holding his arms up to make the statement that he's crucified on her. And it's just so distracting because it was so obvious that they're, like, oh, you know, a sacrifice. But it was like his arms wouldn't fall that way. Like he's literally dead holding his arms up.
1: So so you guys don't like the Omega Man either of you I do. it It was, like I said, it was, to say I don't like, I kind of,
2: it's almost one of those movies where you,
1: you... You enjoyed watching it despite not thinking it was good.
2: R- right. Like I would yeah. watch it again with some friends and a couple of beers. Just It'd just be fun to mm-hmm. watch because it is... It's really, it's kind of cheesy. It's kind of campy. You see these villains; you're like, no one would be scared of these guys. Oh, you in- could
0: totally MST3K this. Oh yeah, easily. Right. This one right. on Earth doesn't work so well for that. No, it's
2: too. This one yeah, does. But it's and the outfits and the music, yeah, everything. You know, it it was kind of fun to watch.
1: Um, I I did not like it at all really i i kind of hated it um i it, it, when it started up i'm like this is really interesting and then when they introduced all of the vampires like all at once they're not even vampires i was like mm, now i don't know this is not this is not what i signed up for it really felt sort of like a a cartoon version of i am legend that's a good way to put it i i definitely think it was the worst of the 3 so 26 years after the Omega Man, um, the final version of I Am Legend came to the big screen and it was called I Am Legend. It's 2007. It was uh, directed by Francis Lawrence, who had prior to this done Constantine and after this done Water for Elephants and is now doing Hunger Games 2. Max, what do you think of I Am Legend? Okay. Which version? OK, well, that's an interesting thing. There are two versions and I'm going to say. The alternate version, since that is the director-preferred version, that was what was supposed to be out, and that is okay. the better yeah. version, too. I'm going to say the alternate version. What do you think about that, both of which can be found on Blu-ray?
0: It, it actually holds up to criticism fairly well. The, the basic structure of, of the novel is radically altered in a lot of weird ways. But in a lot of ways, it's sort of uh, 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 casting off of things that are, in some ways, um, vestigial elements of the genre at the time and uh, the the final alternate version actually holds up really well and it and and the depiction of the character the the, the protagonist is exceptionally well handled considering that he basically doesn't talk to anybody
1: mhm what about you Ben i think this movie
2: is like 75% brilliant yeah like five stars and it's funny that this guy also directed Constantine, which I'm I'm a fan of. But you can t- the thing I didn't like in Constantine, where where is the same thing I didn't like in this, and it's the monsters. You you see the vampires, and as soon as you see them, you say they made a a conscious effort to make them look fake, because hmm. to me, I mean, it pulled me right out like. Even even after you see him the first couple of times, I'm just still totally in this movie. But then, uh, when they start coming in, they're, they're just so CGI and so overboard, and they they exaggerate their mouths. And I don't know if they wanted that to be like a subconscious thing, but they exaggerate how much they can open their mouths. It it just that really knocks it down. But like everything, and I'm not a huge Will Smith fan, but everything he does when he's, is, is amazing. Uh I think like it, the, the dog stuff. I like, like you said, they kind of changed. They had to change things around. They had to update it. Uh They had to make it for this generation. And I think they did a pretty damn good job of, of making it during a time that had to have a scientific background, had to have some grittiness to it. And they, they, they did, he did a really good job. It was just the monsters, and I kind of have a problem with, with both endings, um, but the stuff with the dog was amazing. There are some incredibly intense scenes yeah. in this movie. Um, when he starts
0: going a little crazy,
2: well, right? I mean, that's amazing. Right? You know, it's we can get further into it, but I mean, I could. There are certain scenes I can talk about, and I just watched it twice because I, I saw it in the theater, and then I saw it. A couple of days ago, I accidentally watched the theatrical version again, and I'm going I didn't change a damn thing in this movie. And then yeah. I was like, "Oops!" And then, yeah, I, so I re- rewatched it, and they do add. A, it's not just the ending; they add a couple other snippets. Yeah, I think the editing's a little better in the the theatrical version, but the ending is is a little bit cooler in the the alternate version because well, it's closer to the book. The theatrical
0: the, ending. Is incoherent nonsense. Well, it does.
2: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's it really also doesn't.
0: it also inexplicably suddenly in the middle of this thing that even in all of its versions never had magic, and suddenly magic is introduced at the very end.
1: I, I'm a, a a very big fan of this movie too, um, especially the alternate version. I'm okay with the uh, theatrical cut, but I think the alternate version is really solid. Um, these are three very different types of adaptations. Last Man on Earth is taking the book and condensing it into a movie. Omega Man is taking the book and doing, making a different movie out of it. This movie, I think, is the best adaptation because it's doing what a movie adaptation should, and it's making the best movie you can from the source material. It's taking the essence of the source material and making a good movie out of it. Some stuff just flies on paper better than it does visually. Right. And vice versa, you and know? This, yeah. And, and you're taking full advantage of the medium and um, like, like there's in some ways, you know, the, uh, the ending of, of the movie, I think reads better than the ending of the book because uh, it really sort of plays on the idea that he's not aware that he is the monster, you know? Well, there, and, and, and by, by seeing the, the, uh, the, the, the the vampire there it it like humanizes him and and uh, like that moment i think lands a lot better for me maybe if you look at it on sort of like a philosophical level the ending of the book is better but i think in terms of like an emotional level and having like closure for that character it really does a good job of hitting the nail on the head in the in the movie
0: What I find interesting about the various versions of this story is how the the novel is essentially about, like, all the vampire stuff, all of that sort of, like, leads to the conclusion, and the final sort of, like, philosophical statement that the book is making is about the notion of other. Like, there's me, and there's them. There's us and them. There's there's what we are, and then there's the other. And in the book, it's like they're – the vampires are the other, and what I think of as the other – might not necessarily be bad just because it's not like me and he sort of like takes a side he's like i'm preserving humanity and he kills a bunch of these things and it's revealed that they that they that he wasn't just killing monsters there were also mm-hmm. like people who were Kinda, infected
2: it's like a like a thing on xenophobia right you know, and and then a commentary
0: on xenophobia. and like and like that that's sort of like a weird sort of tricky thing it's like it's like oh yeah there's other but i mean that doesn't mean that they're all bad Right. And then, like in in Omega Man, it's like, oh, there's other, and some of the bad ones are really bad, <laughs> and some of the ones that aren't that bad are really pretty much indistinguishable from you in a lot of ways. You basically, mm-hmm. it would be difficult for you to tell, honestly. On at this point, I don't even know how you would know that they were other, and and like the the most recent adaptation sort of like recognized the basic problem of the original story that having three parties. Complicates the issue that that like the the idea that there are vampires and there are vampires that are basically like people, and then there's the one guy who's human. That's that that muddies the entire statement. The idea is like the other that we find objectionable, that we find scary, we find frightening. It has a right to exist too, and and that's why the most recent adaptation really works much better on that way, because. Because he recognized these things are horrifying. Let's say they were
2: all human. Let's say that, take the vampire aspect out of it. Mm-hmm. If some guy was able to bite me on the shoulder and whip me around a house and try and kill me, and I give his girlfriend a screw, I'm still gonna kill this guy anyway. You know what I mean? It's like it, th- he's still an antagonist and he's still mm-hmm. a bad guy. Yeah. And there's still forces butting against each other. And I'm thinking, screw this. These, all these guys, they, he's, they're going to kill you. You know, so it's like I, I understand the the point of the Omega, man, but at the same time, it's like they're going to kill you it, opposing forces and don't c- don't kill things that have sentience and all this stuff. But I, I don't know. I think I would have blasted them all.
0: I think in that equation, um, the, 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 the sort of the, the logical situation of, of like being the last man on Earth in that moment, you have to wonder if maybe you're the problem.
1: So Ben, any final thoughts on uh I am legend on the whole, the books, the movies, anything? I uh I recommend everyone read the book.
2: Uh I I really think the whole exercise is really fun reading the book and I, I know a lot of people can't watch three movies so close, but it mm-hmm. is I, I think that's a great exercise. If you're a movie fan, watch all three of them close together. And, and it's kind of interesting to see three completely different takes, three completely different decades, three completely different styles of filmmaking
1: back-to-back with the same source material. Max, what about you? Final thoughts?
0: Um, I love the book. I think it's amazing. Uh, I'm a big fan of post-apocalyptic literature and films, but mm, there are very few that really nail it. And this one nails it so well. And uh, the... the basic idea of of recognizing that the protagonist is the villain that's amazing awesome it's right it's totally twilight zone but it happens so slowly and and it just it sneaks up on you and and when you get there you're like i should have seen this coming cuz you know i'm not an idiot but I didn't see it coming because i <laughs> right. like this guy yeah. right <laughs>
1: Yeah, my first exposure to to I Am Legend was through the the Will Smith movie, and I remember watching it and liking it. And you, Max, talking about like, oh, I hate I wanted this
0: thing. to murder someone. right? And and the then, ending was an, like, was
1: was a horrific thing, and and I, and I was like, well, what's wrong with it? And then when you explained to me what the ending of the book was, I was like, oh, I can totally understand why you're upset about that, especially since they called it that. Yeah. Yes. And um, you know, I. I, reading the book now, I, I really, really like the book a lot, um, and uh, the movies I think are you know varying deg- degrees of quality. You know, the last one being good, the other two not so much. But uh, like you were saying, Ben, I think it was really interesting to to read it and then watch all three in you know a very short period of time. And I and I do recommend people people do that. So yeah, that pretty much wraps up. I am Legend, Ben. Thanks for, for joining us. We really appreciate it. No, this was fun. It. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome back anytime. As always, you can find us on Twitter at ComTrackStars or email us at ComTrackStars at gmail.com or you can check out our other show, Commentary CommentaryTrackStars on CommentaryTrackStars.com. Ben's on there a few times. Look, um, if, if I'm not mistaken, we have about twice to three times as many people listening to this show as to our other show go on over if you like what we're talking about here go on over and check out our other show it's just like this only like four times as long with way more swearing and uh, a lot more uh, fighting and unedited it's, it's, I did mostly, really,
2: it's mostly swearing I tried to get some in here today guys I'm sorry it just, No, it's not okay. going to let it fly that's okay <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, good effort though. Speaking of the fly, (laughs) speaking of the fly, we just did a commentary for the fly with Ben, so check that out.
0: Much like Richard Matheson, we're always being shut down by (laughs) censors.
1: So, so, so go over there and check out our show, which we're ending in two months.
0: No, but we got other things on
1: there. So, so go go over there and check it out. Why not? What's the worst that could happen? You could die. Anyway, we will be back (laughs) next week with our friend Matt to talk about the shrinking man.